When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And hello once again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of THN on the Q, brought to you by BetMGM. We are into the home stretch in the QMJHL regular season. Uh, there's still a fight at the top, both in the Western Conference and in the East, and for first overall. And uh, we're going to talk about that and many more things uh, in the next uh, little while. I'm Will McLaren, as always, alongside Jamie Tozer. And uh, we're going to start things off by bringing in a guy who's right in the thick of things in uh, that uh, battle for uh, first, really still mathematically in there for first overall. And of course, uh, uh, fighting hard for first overall in the West. Uh, you remember him from the World Junior Team uh, in Halifax a couple of months ago, as well as a star for the Gatineau Olympic for many years, Zach Dean. Zach, first of all, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. And second of all, um, 21 in a row. That's... Uh, that's not something we see every day uh, in the, any league. Um, just take us through what that streak has been like in the room, because it's not just an empty streak. This is still a streak that could get you first place overall uh, in the conference, maybe even in the league. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I think it's it's been pretty crazy the last little bit. I mean, 21, 21 games, like you said, that's uh, that's something that's, that's pretty cool and you don't see every day, but... Um, I think for us, we're not we're not really thinking of, about that. Um, it, we're just playing hockey and um, and we're playing the right way. So um, I think that's why we've had success. And um, leading up now, we got three games left. Um, big one there um, on Wednesday versus Sher- Sherbrooke. So um, we're excited for that. But um, I mean, in the end, um, hopefully we can come out on top. But um, we're just looking forward to playoffs too. Your team's dealt with quite a few injuries this season, and you made some big additions at the trade deadline. Uh, but you've been able to have success pretty much all through it. Uh, how have you, how's your team been able to kind of uh, have success even with guys coming in out of the lineup so much? Yeah, I think um, like earlier on in the year, we, we had some troubles with that. Lots of guys injured, some guys that um, didn't start playing until after Christmas. I think um, we did a really good, really good job with that before. Um, I think that was, that was really important for us and actually being where we are now. So um I think right now we're, we're, we're pretty healthy. I think um, going into the playoffs, I think that's a good thing. And um, hopefully we can uh, stay healthy in the playoffs. And I know you already mentioned, you know, a big one here on Wednesday night, just for everybody who's uh, listening or perhaps watching this, we're uh, recording on Monday night. So a couple of days away from the, the game that might actually determine first place in the West this year against Sherbrooke. Um, talk to us a little bit about, you know, uh, uh, facing that level of competition, but I also want to talk to you specifically about a couple of guys on that team. Obviously, you know, you, you've got the gold medal now uh, around your neck from uh, the world juniors uh, in Halifax. And you have a couple of guys on that team in uh, Joshua Waugh and uh, Tyson Hines. And, and of course, Nathan, uh, Nathan Goche uh, in Quebec as well. Um, have you noticed, you know, since coming back into the lineup after that tournament, does it feel a little bit different facing those guys uh, on the ice now, just knowing you have that connection or is it still pretty easy to keep it business as usual? 
Yeah, I think I mean obviously when you when you play in those those bigger games, it's it's a lot easier to kind of get up for those games. There's a lot of emotion before. Um, you're always coming out with a lot of fire, so um, they're they're fun to play in, and especially now coming down to the, the end of the season, it um, it means something before playoffs. So um, for me and for our team, we're really excited for the for that one on on Wednesday. And um, like you said, with those guys, I mean before I kind of kind of I knew who they were. I knew they were really good players and stuff like that. And obviously then playing with them um, at the world juniors, you kind of, you get a friendship, you get that chemistry. And um, I think, I think that's good. But at the same time, once, when you're playing against each other, I mean, you'll talk on the face-off circles and stuff like that. But once the puck drops, it's, it's all business for sure. When you look back on that world junior experience, is there anything specific you gained from that that you think is going to be important for Gatineau heading into the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously the World Juniors that tournament it's um it's it's a really high stage. Um I think it's a short tournament too coming together and um as a group and and winning a tournament like that, I think um I mean, the chemistry needs to be there. You need to be um a tight-knit group. So, um I think coming back, I think that that's something that I would be able to uh, take from that and kind of try and help my teammates and stuff like that and know that we all um, need to have our eyes set on, on one goal and all cut co- and all come together. And I think, um, I think we're, we're there. And I think, um, as the playoffs get started, um, I think it's just going to build from there. And, uh, you know, talking about uh, those teammates of yours, uh, on the Olympic, um, you know, Jamie already alluded to, you know, some of the trades at the deadline and, you know, uh, between the return of, uh, Olivier Nadeau, uh, into the lineup or really his debut, uh, after missing the first half of the season, plus the acquisitions of uh, Riley Kidney and Alexi Chandra, you basically inherited another first line on top of what was your, what was, you know, what still remains your line, basically two first lines now. Um, in terms of adapting uh, to uh, the new bodies in the lineup for yourself, you know, uh, I've, you know, talking to Louis Robitaille, you know, one of the things he always talks about with you is your adaptability. What was it like for you? Uh, with everybody coming into the lineup to uh, perhaps, you know, take on a slightly different role within the, within the group uh, with all the new bodies coming in. Yeah. um, Obviously, I mean, we have a really good team and, um, and we have our eyes set on one goal and, um, and that's winning. And I think um, adapting to different roles and, and, and stuff like that and up and down the lineup with, with all players, I think that's something that's really important um, if you want to win, um, obviously, um, Kidney, Nadeau, and uh, Jinron, their their line there. It's it's a really good line, and I mean, it. I can be thrown out with with them whenever if we need a goal, whatever it is, in different situations. Um, and and I mean, I'm I'm just happy happy to be there. Um, we have a really good team, and I'm looking forward to the playoffs. You recently had your NHL rights traded, which isn't something we see a lot of, uh, of active Q players. Uh, did you have any suspicions that a deal was coming and how did you find out about that? Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty hectic that day, but no, before, um, there wasn't, there wasn't really much, obviously. I mean, you follow it on TV and stuff like that and, um, on social media, but there wasn't really any heads up or anything like that. And, um, it was on a Sunday and we were playing a, an early game. I think it was a three o'clock game. And um, I kind of slept in a little bit that day and um, I wake up I, and it's like, I'm just leaving for the rink and I get a call, um, get a call from Vegas. Um, and then shortly after um, from the blues from uh, uh, Doug Armstrong. So 
um, it happened pretty quick. Um, and then I had to go and play a game. So there wasn't much, there wasn't much time there, but uh, I mean, I'm super happy about it. And I think it's a really good opportunity for me. Yeah. And of course, you know, another Q connection there uh, traded for uh, a Q alumni in, uh, in Ivan Barbashev. So uh, a bit of a connection there uh, to the league. And uh, uh, Zach, from a standpoint of uh, your, your, the way that you've seen this team come together yourself, um, what does it mean for you? And that might sound a little bit cliche, obviously, but I mean, in actual, you know, you, you've been here now for three seasons. You've watched this team uh, battle from the top, actually four seasons. I apologize. You, you've watched this team go from, you know, the very, you know, the, the, the ground level all the way up. You've seen, you know, guys like Luno and Warren and, you know, the list goes on in the back end, even up front, uh, Vero and those guys develop alongside yourself. Uh, to be able to do all of this and have a successful career and be able to do it with one team and, and have an opportunity to perhaps go out on top, you know, when you when you look at it or maybe when you look at it when it's all over, what do you think is going to uh, come to mind first? Yeah, no, I think it's, I mean, first of all, I think it's pretty, it's pretty special to be able to stay on one team for your whole junior career. And um, like you said, um, this year, I, I truly believe that we do have a team. Um, that can go all the way um, in the playoffs. Um, I mean, looking back in the future on, on this team and um, the guys that we have, I think um, there's going to be friendships that will that will be made um, and that will last forever. Um, and I think that's, that's a really important part of it. Um, I think we have lots of good players that are going to play um, at a high level. And I think um, moving forward, I think that's that's also something that you'll look back on and you'll see, wow, like we really did have a good team there. So, um, like I said, I think I think we just have a really good group this year, um, and, and I'm excited to see what we could do in the playoffs. For our listeners who might not follow the Q that closely or might not follow Gatineau that closely, what what can we expect from Gatineau in the playoffs? And what kind of style uh, do you think we'll we'll see from your team? Yeah, I think um, I think we like to play a really fast and physical game. Um, I think we have we have a lot of guys that um, aren't aren't afraid to to use their body, um, and and we just play with pace. I think that's the most the most important thing um, on why we've been we've been having success is um, just relentless pressure. Um, we move the puck quick, um, and and we can score goals. So, well, uh, Zach, first of all, again, thank you. We mentioned this off camera. Thanks for repping the East Coast with the hoodie. That's perfect. <laughs> Any as any as any good uh, Avalon Peninsula guy would uh, would do, especially a, a, a bantam a, a what was it, an Atlantic bantam championship back in the day uh, with the uh, over in over on the rock. Is that what you had? Yeah, yeah, no, that was the the bantam bantam Atlantic. So that was yeah, yeah I can remember that. That was that was a crazy game for sure. Yeah, yeah, I know actually. And we were talking about the World Juniors. A, a guest of the show, Logan Delaney, was the opposing coach there. So uh, yeah. we like we like talking about that one too with Logan too. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, hopefully you have another championship in your uh, back pocket by the time you leave the queue. And uh, we want to just thank you, uh, Zach, for taking the time. Uh, here uh, today and wish you and all the guys best of luck in the playoffs. Perfect. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, Zach. And thanks once again to Zach Dean for taking the time to chat with us here on THN On The Queue, brought to you by BetMGM as, uh, as he and his Olympique continue to fight for first place 
in the Western Conference. And again, still not out of the question that they uh, couldn't uh, find themselves in first place overall in the league. And speaking of fighting, Jamie, uh, the biggest news uh, that came across the wire over the past seven days involves just that subject. Um, It was announced that the uh, Quebec League uh, intends to eliminate fighting uh, next season, or at least put a ban on it. Uh, Details are to be worked out. Um, They should be known uh, by June, uh, and they will come into effect, of course, the beginning of the 2023-24 season. Um, We don't know what the sanctions are going to be, but they are assumed to be, quote-unquote, severe. Um, And uh, uh, really, I I guess just sort of another march towards the inevitable, uh, at least that's the way I look at it. Uh, Jamie, what what are some of your thoughts? Yeah, I completely agree. I think this was slowly coming, whether there was a ban or not. And it's really, since 2008, it's really gone downhill and numbers are pretty, the the slope is pretty alarming how few fights there are now. I think most of us that follow the league really closely know that um, this probably isn't going to change the game a whole lot than, compared to what we've seen the past few years. Um, and I have a feeling the Q um, and probably the whole CHL had hoped that fighting would eventually just go away on its own um, and they wouldn't have to put in a ban like this to avoid the public outcry and and look at the public outcry that we've seen. And I'm sure the NHL is looking at this too. I'm sure the NHL down the road would like to ban fighting as well. Um, But I'm sure they're looking at this situation and it's probably not going to be banned for a while given um, the public doesn't seem to be too happy about it. But like I said, if you follow the league the past five years, there's hardly any fights now. Um, mm-hmm. so it's really not going to change a whole lot. Um, and you know, you're, you're still going to be able to fight if you really want to. I don't know if you're going to be dressing for a while, if you do choose that and you're probably going to be automatically suspended for a game or two, but, um, we'll probably see an even further reduction of fights, uh, next year or two. It sounds like. Yeah. I mean, they're almost non-existent at this point. Um, like I saw a statistic, uh, uh, in in the news somewhere here, and by the way, we should point out that this was first uh, reported uh, by um, uh, in was it the uh, Journal de Montreal? Did you say, uh, Jamie? Uh, the Journal de Quebec. Yeah. Journal de Quebec. Yeah. Sorry, the Journal de Quebec uh, originally ran with the story, and the hockey news actually was really on the forefront in the English media on this topic. But uh, somewhere else, I did see something along the lines of I think the average uh, number of fights per game is like 0.07 which is to say almost none. And I know like myself, like we were talking about this uh, off camera, Jamie, like this year, for example, I, I know I've probably been in the building for you know, a couple dozen games or so. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think I recall seeing two fights all, all season long. And, you know, there was a time, you know, not that long ago, uh, you know, in an effort to try not to date myself too much where, you know, you, you generally saw two fights in at least the first yeah. period, if not the first five minutes of a game. And, yeah. You know, it's just gradually, you know, there was first the, uh, the called in gratuitous violence, which I mean, uh, you know, some people I'm sure disagreed with, but, you know, as somebody like myself who thought that, you know, guys who were, you know, setting things up in warmups and, you know, dropping the gloves, you know, one and two seconds into the game for no other reason than cause, um, you know, kind of making yourself look bigger than the game. Like there's no need in that. That was kind of garbage. Uh, and, and, you know, I think there's a lot of people who didn't really miss that. Mm-hmm. And I think this is just an extension of those initial set of rules. Like you mentioned, 
you know, that came in uh, back in 2008 uh, when the Quebec government really um, uh, appealed to the league to uh, uh, to really start putting uh, the clamps down on uh, overtly violent acts. And you know, speaking of the government, you know, the Quebec government is again being mentioned as a as a big driving influence on on this latest um, proposal. And uh, you know, it just you know, I, I have no issue with. I guess I look at it both ways, Jamie. I have no issue with fighting, per se. Stage fighting, no, uh, it's garbage. Um, you know, something in the heat of battle. You know what? Things can happen. People are human. Mm-hmm. Uh, should it be one of the first things you go to? Probably not. But you know, at least there's a modicum of understandability there. Um, but the, the one thing that I do think of in the back of my mind is, um, you know. It's admirable that the Quebec League is looking to do this. It's not going to change the game a whole lot, but you know, you're talking about a government, uh, the Quebec government, that just basically handed every team in that province a million dollars during the pandemic, and it almost seems like a, you know, we're paying you to do this. And when you see something like that, I think it might even take a little bit of the luster off of what is uh an i uh, an idea that's very much on the forefront of, of hockey yeah that kind of seems to be the bigger story here for people like us who follow the league closely i think most people that you know like us that follow the league day to day they know that these rules aren't going to really change the the league a whole lot um, in terms of the on ice product um but the influence of the quebec government essentially enforcing these rules and um, again, going back to that hockey news article and the statement they received, um, it sounds like there's some there's some interesting rules that the Quebec and powers that the Quebec government has to really enforce these if the league doesn't comply, um, and the league probably will comply. But if they didn't, which would be interesting. Um, so it's it's interesting that they have that much power over the the league. And again, like we alluded to uh, on a previous episode. Um, you know, the league's just not going to hand over millions and millions of public money to the league and then just say, you know, go have fun with it. Uh, we're not going to check in to see where this money's going or anything like that. Um, the league accepting that money, it's, you know, they're, they're going to have to follow some, uh, some, not necessarily guidelines, but some influence from the government here for the, at least the next few years, you'd have to think. Um, and I'm sure some of those teams, uh, if it wasn't for that, that money would be really struggling more so uh, than they might be right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you know, there, there's a, a few teams in Quebec that you know they're uh, they're they're privately owned or they're they're even community based. You know, they're owned by their respective uh, towns or cities. Um, so absolutely, that was a, a big um, influx when needed the most. The only thing that concerns me, Jamie, um, and I don't you know, as a person who is, I don't know, I guess apolitical probably be the best way to put it. I don't support. Uh, just to you know, take un- unveil a little bit from behind the curtain. You know, I vote, but um, I, I don't. I, I don't. You know, cheer hardcore for one party over the other. There's some that I probably never would vote for, and um, others who I'd be a little more inclined, depending on the uh, on the way the wind is blowing. But you know, the, all that being said, um, well, it's twofold. First of all, you've got a provincial government that is kind of dictating things. Mm-hmm. Admirable and an admirable uh, attempt to clean things up or to or to make the game safer. 
but you have a you have a provincial government, one provincial governing body, trying to um, dictate this in a mm -hmm. league that's that is actually housed within four different provinces, um, and you know, very and is you know, you know, this isn't the OHL where you know, essentially you know, you have uh, you know, you have your U.S. teams, but predominantly it's an Ontario based league. Um, and also, you know, it can't help but make me think in the back because, you know, we have seen government decisions uh, from all corners over the years. And uh, it, it, it does make me wonder, you know, if we're seeing this and this is the second time we've seen it, we've seen a decision like this heavily influenced by the government in the Quebec League, um, you know, what, depending on who's in power, what could we see down the pipe? We don't know that, but, you know, this is like, you know, you'd hate to say that something's a slippery slope, but is that what this could be? We don't know. Yeah, it's all valid points. And um, you do you have to wonder, not just in Quebec either, you do have to wonder about the rest of Canada as well um, and the powers that those governments might have. Um, and not just on the CHL either, but just uh, a lot of other hockey leagues as well. Um, and it's definitely right now too, where it's such a, such a hot topic. Um, and you have to wonder too, if, you know, if the federal government was to put rules in place at the hockey Canada level, what that might mean for the CHL leagues as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, uh, you know, like I say, I think, and we've seen, we've seen a lot of news on this in the last, uh, few days, uh, some GMs, you know, Richie Tebow, for example, uh, our, our friend uh, with the Moncton Wildcats, uh, known Richie for years, and, and I think he's uh, dead on when he says it's not really going to affect us a whole lot. Yeah. And uh, you know, the Mooseheads have come out saying they stand with the league and things like that. And 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 uh, I'm pretty sure the Quebec teams, uh, from from what I gather, are, are you know understanding in in uh, needing to comply, of course, especially them, given that they're kind of really at the at the forefront of uh, part of the decision making here. Um, you know, there's some backlash from fans. There's some backlash I know from you know former, uh, from from players, you know, pro players, current and former pro players. And I, I guess my comment to any of those people is, you know, have you actually watched a Q game in the last five years? <laughs> because if you watched one, you happen to see a fight, yeah. like you 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 kind of should go buy a lottery ticket because you're not, you know, you know, if, if you came back the next night looking for more, I'm willing to bet you're disappointed. Yeah. In, in, in what you saw, what you were looking for was a fight. So I think yeah. a lot of the people who are really being outspoken about this are are people that just don't under just aren't following the league. They they don't, you know, they're they're basing it on their experiences, but in the grander scheme of things, you know, isolating it to this league and its recent past, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I think fans too. I think. I don't know if the fans are really concerned about the loss of fights as more. So I think they're just concerned about the loss of intensity. I think fans, yeah. you know, they still want, they want to go to a game and see two teams really like have an intense match and play hard. Um, and, you know, to those people, I, I, I was at the university cup all weekend in Charlottetown. I'd encourage you to watch Canadian university hockey, go to UMB Santa Fe game. Um, mm -hmm. That is one of the, the most intense rivalries in the sport, no fighting allowed. Um, yeah. And there's tons of physicality. And I think that's what fans still want. Right. Um, yeah. And I don't think, you know, just because you're banning fighting doesn't mean you're banning physicality. Um, yeah. I think we all know that the physicality in the queue has decreased in recent years, um, mm -hmm. but it's not gone and it probably won't, will never be fully gone. 
but I think, you nor, know, I think, people, nor should. Yeah, definitely. Nor I should. think people just want that intensity, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I will, I'll finish my point on this, Jamie, by saying this, if there's one thing that this rule does that I fully welcome, it is, can we stop seeing a fight break out after a clean hit? That is the dumbest thing. And, it, you know, and, you know, I'm kind of, you know, you know, me and my little ranty self here, you know, of course, bringing it up. And I have brought it up in various other um, locales over the years. But at the end of the day, um, it's not just me because it was actually a topic at the NHL general managers yeah. meeting. Maybe, you know, maybe not top of mind, but it was brought up in those meet those mo- most recent meetings here uh, a couple of weeks back. It's just stupid. You got hit. Get up. If you can get up, great. Get up. If you can't get up, call for the trainer. But if it's a clean hit, like just shut up. Like keep your head up next time. Gosh, okay. The only thing, like, the only see, the only thing I'll say to that though is that everything just moves so fast. Like I think it's mm-hmm. tough for some players to even know if yeah. it's a clean hit or not, and they just react to the noise um, yeah. or the crowd. So I think that's my only. I think that's really the only defense to that. And, you know, yeah. they're not getting they're not getting the slow motion replays like we're getting at home. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I'll, I'll give you that much. But, you know, at the end of the day, mm, let's go with uh, innocent until proven guilty. If it's if it's a bad <laughs> enough hit, um, let's assume that there's going to be one of the four sets of eyes out there whose mm-hmm. job it is to note yep. that stuff. Yep. We'll pick up on it. And you know what? So, you know, maybe, maybe instead of fighting and negating a potential penalty, you can go ahead and score on a power play. You know what a novel idea. So, anyway, we will see uh, what comes out of it. Like, uh, like we mentioned off the top, more information coming out this June as the queue uh, takes another uh, move towards uh, removing fighting entirely from the league. But you now we talked about the fight at the top of the league. Uh, uh, Jamie, well, let's talk a little bit about the battle uh, towards the bottom. And uh, here we are, one week to go in the regular season. Everybody has played either 65 or 66 games out of the 68-game schedule. And we have three teams gunning for two playoff spots between St. John, Blaineville, Boisbriand, and Val d'Or. Um, let's uh, hear your thoughts here, Jamie. You know, handicap some of this uh, for us and uh, maybe uh, give us some of your thoughts on uh, who you might uh, and do this as unbiased as possible. <laughs> who you might want to see emerge. Obviously. <laughs> well, the Sea Dogs, they got a huge win on Sunday. Uh, looked, didn't, wasn't looking good. They tied the game in the last minute and then won in a shootout. Um, huge, huge win. That moved them right up to 15th uh, with 53 points. Uh, Armada have 52. Uh, or 51 and they're in a really good position now to make the playoffs i would say um two games remaining like you mentioned uh one against charlottetown one against bathurst so both of those winnable games um but they're certainly i would say in the driver's seat for that last playoff spot valdor we know um they're struggling just to find goalies right now um and i mm-hmm. they're playing yeah. uh ruin randa i think twice um, and then the Armada have got no twice. My only concern with those games for St. John, um, Rouen, Gatineau, depending on where they're, what their situation is in the standings, uh, if they dress their full lineups, I could see that being 
bit of a concern for St. John, but hopefully, um, you know, just went out and it's not a, not a big issue for them. But I will say from a drama standpoint, it would be pretty great um, if the Sea Dogs had to win on Saturday to get into the playoffs against uh, Gordy Dwyer's Teton. That would be a very spicy yeah. story. Yeah, very much so. And, of course, uh, Aki Bathurst-Teton, the lone team eliminated from uh, playoff uh, competition uh, mm-hmm. with a loss in Cape Breton on Saturday night. Um, so, you know, just for those who uh, may not have the standings in front of them, St. John is currently at 53 points. They have, and by the way, the tiebreaker here, the first tiebreaker is regulation and overtime wins. So, in other words, all wins accumulated that didn't come in the shootout. St. John has 22 of those. Laneville, 52 points with 22 uh, regulation overtime wins as well. Valdor, 51 points as of this moment, they're on the outside looking in. But they actually have the most regulation and overtime wins at 23. All teams have just the two team two games remaining. And I think it's safe to say if you're the St. John Sea Dogs, you're you're probably hoping that you know maybe you might be cheering for Sherbrooke. On Wednesday against Gatineau, just uh-huh. to just to make things even tighter, if they if that was even possible, at top stands to give Gatineau that extra incentive to dress yeah. a full lineup Friday Definitely. and Saturday yeah. um, against Blainville. So it can be very interesting. Of course, what more would Miranda Randall love to do but to uh, you know eliminate their uh, their rivals from Valdor mm. uh, from the yeah. playoff from the playoff picture? That would be uh, a nice little uh, finishing touch on this on a very impressive regular season. For the Huskies. Um, now, uh, you know, we talked about you know the fighting at uh, you know fighting in general. We talked about the fight at the bottom. It's a really big fighting type uh, um, program here, Jamie, which is weird because we're both very much pacifists. I wouldn't want to see either yes. one of us in the fight, no. uh, even nobody with each would. other. I'm, no, <laughs> it, it was, us us physically fighting, nobody wins. No. Uh, and speaking of throwing hands. Uh, and something we didn't touch upon in the uh, in the fighting uh, component of this, or the banning of fighting thing, is of course um, is the injury factor. You know, you can break your hand when you fight. Yep. And well, we're going to talk about a guy who did just that and went on to be a number one overall NHL pick. Um, the guy is Mark Andre Fleury, and the team that he plays for is the Minnesota Wild, which is our NHL team profile. Um, only one guy in the queue that has been drafted uh, by the wild, but uh, a pretty big name and a name that a lot of us got to know a little bit better this past Christmas season. That's Czech defenseman, David Spacek. Yeah. Really strong performance with uh, that really excellent Czechia team that made it all the way to the gold medal game. Uh, pretty strong, uh, important player for them. Um, and a really good world junior tournament. Uh, had a good, good season last year, uh, almost a point per game as a defenseman. And on, on pace for similar numbers this year. So those are, are great numbers, especially for an older defenseman. Um, and a guy that I, I, he seems like the type of player that might be able to carry that over into the program, to, pro game too. Um, and I think, you know, as a fifth round pick uh, for a defenseman that's averaging a point per game, I think that's a, a pretty good pick by the Wild. Yeah, the son of Yaroslav Spachek, and he was actually an all-star uh, at that World Junior Tournament as well. So uh, plays a very heavy, uh, it's an understated yeah. game, but kind of heavy game at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, very impressive, you know, uh, an excellent compliment to guys like Tyson Hines and Mark and Regadette 
in that uh, powerful Phoenix lineup. AHL, the Iowa Wild. Mitchell Belma is just the lone Q contingent there, but, you know, very important. Won a Memorial Cup with the Acne Bathurst T-Tampac in 2018, one of four teams he played with in the Q during his uh, five-year career in the league. And, uh, of course, in the NHL, there's Frederick Godreau, kind of a journeyman center, fourth, third, fourth liner, who played with Sherwinigan and Drummondville, and then the other guy. And you know what? I think sometimes it gets lost uh, along the way. Um, I don't know if it's a goalie thing. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, if it's the fact that there's guys like Crosby and McKinnon and, and the ilk that have, have come up uh, in recent years. But Marc-Andre Fleury, no, he just he just keeps going out there and he just keeps winning. Uh, he hasn't been. It's been you know hard to believe. It's been twenty. It's going on twenty three years since he made his debut in the queue back as a fifteen year old back in two thousand. Um, you know, pulling the old Gabriel Dega on on the league back then and and being just as impressive, I should say. But here we are, five hundred wins later, and you know he just keeps going and keeps putting in stellar performance or solid performance night after night after night. Yeah. He, he's definitely one of the guys that I wish I had followed. I was, you know, old enough to follow the queue when he was in the league. It would have been, I think it would have been fun to see him play, um, especially in the Maritimes division. Um, and I kind of feel bad for some of the Maritime goalies. Cause I feel like almost every high or Maritime goalies, Quebec league goalies that get drafted into the league, especially high guys like Gabriel Dagg, um, it seems like they're almost always compared to, well, this guy's going to be the next flurry. That guy's going to be the next flurry. Um, yeah. and we haven't, we haven't really seen the next flurry yet. And I don't know if we're going to ever see really a personality, uh, like Mark Andre flurry, but, uh, a colorful guy, um, seems to be one of those players too, is just, you know, universally loved by, uh, by fans. Oh, yeah. I, how can you not like this guy? Yeah. Like he's he's still a baby face. He's like thirty eight years old or whatever he is, and he just you know he 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 just brings a smile to the game every uh, mm-hmm. smile to the rink every single game. Like you say, universe universally loved, and ironically, one of the few guys I I I can think of as a goalie in the queue that actually got into not one but two fights in his career. So obviously there was. And he almost made it. Uh, he almost got his first uh, kick at the can in the NHL here <laughs> about a week or so ago uh, against uh, Mr. Binnington there. So uh, you know, obviously there's a Jekyll and Hyde uh, behind him somewhere, but super competitive and you know, a guy that you, you just want to see win. So uh, good for good for Mark Andre. Hopefully he and the Wild can go on a bit of a run here this coming spring. Moving on to the 2023 draft prospect of the week, and uh, here's a guy who. Um, probably stood to be behind a couple of other bigger names at the beginning of this year, and it just didn't happen. Uh, Marc-Andre Baudry, uh, defenseman for the Drummondville Voltigeur, was really supposed to be sort of, you know, coming up in this uh, in this 17-year-old season, kind of in the shadows of Maverick Lamoureux, the first rounder of the Arizona mm-hmm. Coyotes. But Lamoureux, of course, got hurt. Didn't uh, and didn't get into the lineup until the new year, and Baudry really had to carry a little bit more of a load, and was pretty successful, all things considered, in the contents context of things, in in doing just that. Yeah, probably not an ideal situation to be thrusted into that, but I'm sure a pretty good experience, and I'm sure the Volts now looking into the future, probably happy that um, he was able to to step in and play that role. Um, Certainly part of the drum, you know, Drumville is one of the bigger stories heading in the off season to see how they, what they choose to do, whether they retool or completely start over or what exactly they do. Um, 
And Boudry, he was part of that big 2021 draft class of the Wolves. They had four first-round picks. Uh, so curious to see what they kind of do moving forward. Uh, 22 points in 65 games, so really not not too bad offensively uh, for a 17-year-old defenseman. Pretty calm with calm guy with the puck. Um, hasn't really quite found that scoring touch yet. Uh, only two goals, and I know reading for reading some of the scouting reports um, for his draft year, it, it talked a little bit about him uh, contributing a bit more offensively, but maybe those numbers will improve over the next couple of years. Um, and again, you know, if Drummondville can kind of build um, a better team and retool next year, um, those numbers will probably uh, probably increase. And um, it sounds like they've got a pretty good uh, piece for their back end. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, a guy who, you know, maybe a bit of a chip on his shoulder, you know, he was expected to be the top defensive prospect out of the queue in 2021. He ended up being, I think he was drafted, he was the sixth defenseman drafted in the, in the, in the league that year. So, you know, maybe something to prove there. And, you know, I think he's proved it uh, as well as he possibly could to the scouts uh, and uh, the people who matter uh, the most in terms of getting him to the next level. So uh, hopefully uh, he hears his name called uh, this coming summer at the NHL draft. So that'll just about do it for us for this episode. Of course, we're into the home stretch, the real home stretch. It's basically playoff games now for some teams. And uh, Jamie, uh, any uh, last thoughts as we enter the final uh, couple of games for each team uh, here in the regular season? Yeah, well, like we talked about on the show, curious to see how the top finishes in the standings and then at the bottom too. Um, so really curious to see how that all finishes in the big the big grand finale on Saturday, all uh, all 18 teams in action. And hopefully uh, hopefully there's some, some meaningful games uh, all the way up to that point. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. So it's the playoff uh, preview, so to speak. And of course, we'll have our playoff preview next week. Uh, we will uh, go over all eight first-round matchups and uh, give our thoughts and uh, maybe even pull in a couple of people if we can to uh, get some outsider opinions because, you know, I'm pretty sure you're all tired of uh, listening to us. So for, on that happy note for Jamie Tozer and I'm Will McLaren, special thanks as usual to Connor Somerville for his continued great work behind the scenes. This has been another episode of THN on the Cube brought to you by BetMGM. See you next week.